0: Theology Theology Unlocked. Folks, did you guys know that the book of Job At least many scholars believe this And I think it's true uh, The book of Job Was the first book of the Bible that was written I know that Maybe you think about it It doesn't really have that much significance What was written first And maybe it doesn't I mean, I'm not really sure but it But it does make sense to me because the book of Job is about suffering, and the Bible is about engaging with us uh, in the personality and understanding of God, and 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 what it is that He has for us, and what it is He's done for us. Not everything, but it's these essential components that that make up our relationship with God that are included in the Bible, that are included in nature, or or in, in, intuitive to our personality, or or our reason. And the book of Job is the first book written, and it's the first book about suffering. And the, it's only about suffering. I mean, there, there's no other books that are just about suffering, like Job is. There's no other books that reach out to you in such a way to put you in, in, a, in the, the situation of, of a man who is going through hell on earth and showing that God is, is present within this showing this battle that's going on between heaven and hell, God and and Satan. not that Satan is any challenge to God, but oh, the whole idea of this this interchange that is going on, and and the evils that can be brought about and, and allowed for, and the things that God allows within our lives, and the reasons that He has for it. But the thing is, the Book of Job was the first book written. I mean, I I don't really promote my stuff very much, but this isn't a promotion for it. But whenever I wrote my uh, discipleship book, now that I'm a Christian, I think I'm the only one that I've seen that has a discipleship book of this nature that has an entire chapter just on suffering. I only have 10 chapters in in the discipleship book. So I had to come up with the 10 most important things that you need to know as a Christian, as a new Christian. And suffering is one of those i mean yes god the the trinity yes bible study yes prayer yes yes evangelism yes all these different things but i only had 10 and i chose suffering to be in there why because i think it's one of the most essential things that god wants us to know about while we're here on the earth i want you to do this for me i want you to close your eyes and uh, you know i can't see whether you're doing it but i want you to do it seriously do it Close your eyes and think of this. Think of the people in your life that you think are blessed. The people that you know you look at and you say, you say something like, "Man, God has really blessed your life," or, or this person has has what you think constitutes a blessing from God. And think think of those people, and think of the characteristics they have and the reason why you believe they're blessed. Who are the blessed people? Who are the blessed people? In, from a biblical standpoint, who are the ones that God counts as as um, being brought about by Him? An interventive happiness that is given to them, a a deep seated uh, satisfaction of. Of uh, contentment, or should be contentment, and their blessing. The blessing represents not a lot of people translate it happy, but it is a lot more than just happy. It has to do with so much of this, this uh, you know, uh, divine movements and and uh, joy and and something that is is uh, unexplainable from a human standpoint, or really not so much unexplainable, but just unattainable from a human standpoint, because you have to be blessed. It has to be something that happens to you. It has to be something that, that is, uh, brought about by God. So people are blessed. I mean, one person can bless another person. Like I might go and bless somebody in some way. We have that going on in the Bible, but it all has to do with the handing down this this, this spiritual gift that is given to somebody. So, what does it mean to be blessed? I, I see this all the time. Whenever people maybe complain, I do it myself. Whenever you complain or you you think your life is just a pile of crap that you, ha- you have nothing, that, that God doesn't love you, that that he's against you, that he is, in a, the sense of Jeremiah, a, a bear and a lion laying in wait, uh, arrows getting ready to be shot at you. He just hates you. I mean, how many times do we think that? I, I, I've thought it, and I know probably you've thought it as well. You've thought, I, I just can't believe God is doing this to me. He's doing this again. Does he really think I can take this much pain and suffering and hardship? Why did he bless so-and-so with such a great personality? And why did he bless them with so so many worldly goods that they don't have to worry? Why Why did he bless her with such a good husband? Why did he bless them with such good children? Notice the thing. It's always bless with good something. Bless with good something. But that's not really how the New Testament looks at blessings. I'm not saying those aren't blessings, okay? And set that aside for a minute, whether or not those are blessings. But I am saying, from the standpoint of the Scriptures in the New Testament, and I'm sticking with the New Testament here because there is, there's a movement, there's a change in, in the way in which God um, uh, interacted with us in the Holy Spirit and the way in which the church is to live in comparison to Israel. Blessings for Israel were different than blessings for the church. And every time I've gone through the New Testament, maybe you can look at this and try to figure out what the New Testament has to say about what it means to be blessed. Not what is the meaning of the word blessed, like we just talked about, but what does it mean to be blessed? What does that blessing look like? And I've gone through the New Testament the best I can. And I can't really find anything in there except for blessings with regard to suffering. Blessings with regard to hardship. Blessings with regard to those who do not have now, the, the think of it, I mean, think of the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, what does he say? He's, he comes in, Jesus always coming and shaking the world up. Really, he's coming in and he's turning everybody's worldview upside down. He did that nonstop. He always had to uh, correct such terrible thinking of the day, whether it was who he was supposed to be. Um, or uh, who was blessed of God. And he was always correcting that. Who was it that was blessed of God? Now, in that day, it's the same as you probably. It's been the same from the very beginning. Everybody thought the person who was blessed was those who God gave the most to. God provided the most for, as far as comfort, worldly goods, obedient children, uh, good marriage, that kind of stuff. That's what people would think of a blessing, that's what the whole story of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus was about. Everybody thought the rich man was blessed, and he's, they, he is the one they all wanted to be like. The unnamed rich man, they thought, was blessed. But the named Lazarus, that's what, that was his name, Lazarus, the guy who sat at the gates, really was dumped at the gates by his friends, had sores all over him, dogs come and lick them, and just ate from the crumbs from the rich man's table. Uh, hoping that he would bring him something. Nobody would ever think that guy's blessed. You're going to walk by that guy and say, man, that guy really is blessed. And then you look at the rich person, and you say, nah, I don't know about him, whether he's blessed or not. But that guy sitting at the gate, that guy is blessed. You see, nobody was doing that. Nobody would do that. And you probably wouldn't do that as well. Even those of you who have been in the scriptures for years and years and years probably would not do that. I know I wouldn't. It's not my first instinct. I've got to. I've got to turn my worldview upside down constantly, because in that parable, the the only one that was named was Lazar, Lazarus, and his name means God helps. He was the one who was named blessed by God. Basically, he was the one who was escorted by the angels to evidence the blessing, as the rich man went in his own place for judgment and didn't have a blessing. So there's, there's a guy that's being blessed. And here's Jesus coming along or shaking up people's worldview. And the Sermon on the Mount, he says, uh, what does he say about blessing? He says it over and over again. He says, take, take note of a few of these. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? does it sound like a good thing. It really doesn't, does it? I mean, how could that, being poor in anything seems to be a bad thing. But here's Jesus coming up saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." And then he says, "Blessed are those who are sad." He's a mourn uh, uh, those who who cry. Just would you would you want by somebody that's crying all the time to say, "Man, that person is blessed," really is blessed. Wish I was like that. Of course you want it because that's not what we see. We do not expect or or see those as blessings from God. Blessed are those who are persecuted, he says, for my name's sake. Would you? Is that what you think? Is that what you think whenever you have these Christians uh, on the other side of the world that are being killed daily because they, they've turned from their old faith to the Christian faith and their family has them killed? Would you say, man, that person is blessed, really is blessed? No, you wouldn't, because you're stuck just like me. You're stuck in this whole paradigm that says blessings only are secured. Blessings only are evidenced. Blessings only are really from God. So long as none of those those things, the absence of all of those things, the absence of crying, the absence of suffering, the absence of being poor in anything. That's the way we think. So, I mean, the Bible comes along and has to shake our mind up every time because we, we drift into this rut of thought. We, we drift away from biblical thinking to think, I, why can't I be blessed of God whenever we're going through suffering? Whenever we do have things that are lacking in ourselves, whenever we're poor in spirit, our personality is not as good as this person's personality. Our, our um, relationships aren't as good as this person's relationships. We, we, we compare ourselves to figure out who's blessed. That's how we always do it. Whenever we don't have as much money as this person, whenever we can't, blessed are those who can't pay bills. Blessed are those whose marriage is just falling apart through, you know, even though they try really hard. I mean, can you imagine that? Blessed are those whose kids are rebellious and fall away from the faith. No, we we know that's not blessed. But yet it is. It is. It really is, folks. We got to, this is the paradigm shift we have to go through as well. Who is really blessed of God? What is your circumstances that's causing you to make you think you're not blessed? Could it be that you really are blessed? Now, taking back what I set aside for a minute, I'm not saying all those good things aren't blessings, and they aren't present because you look through the Old Testament, that's what you do see. Uh, the Israelites were promised blessings, which included all of these good things, provisions, and and uh, uh, their 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 land to be at peace, and uh, all these different things that we would think automatically are blessings. Those other those things aren't. It's not that they're not blessings because we'll have them in eternity in eternity we will be blessed of God and we won't be crying we won't be poor uh, in anything and, and we'll 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 see these things as blessings and they truly are blessings but what you've got to add to this category is right now here on the earth during this struggle during the time before, whenever between whenever Jesus came the first time and he's coming the second time this time we are in right now blessings. Are, are defined not just by those good things, but also these bad things. And in the church age, I believe it is very biblical for us to say that the more God works in your life, and I know you don't like to hear this. Yeah, I don't like to hear it. it you, you don't wanna hear this. So close your ears if, if you wanna just move on to something else because this is stuff nobody wants to hear. But the closer you are to God, The more God, no better, put it this way. That's not really the best way to put it. Put it this way. The best evidence that God is working in your life is through the presence of suffering. Whatever that suffering may be. We got all kinds of suffering. The way in which we know for sure, I mean, here, here it is again. The way in which, I mean, if somebody came you'd probably be insulted if somebody did this, but somebody comes up to you and you're sitting there crying because you just lost a child. And they said, man, you are blessed of God. You'd be offended. And they, you shouldn't say that. It's not really how you how, how you deal with those things. It's obviously not appropriate. The person himself has to understand that has to come to those conclusions. They have to come to the conclusion that God is evident. The presence of God is a blessing. The movement of God in your life is a blessing. The the shaping, the chiseling hand of God is a blessing, and it hurts many, many times. The surgery that he performs on us has to wound us, but his hands heal. Blessings in this age are most evidenced by the pain and sorrow we have, the difficulties we have, the trials, the tribulations that we go through. So if you are in those things right now, and if you feel like they just never cease, you know, I do tell people this, and obviously I'm not really serious, but in some way I am. I say, listen, if you want them to stop, quit trying to follow the Lord so much. You know, Be warned, the first book that was ever written in the Bible was about suffering. God wants us to we are lacking so much in our discipleship process for the preparation of people in suffering and pain. I mean it 's almost non-existent, and it makes people carry on with a, with a false world view that if god 's present in your life, then you shouldn't have these things. it's not true. We are part of our discipleship we've got to, got to got, with ourselves and with others, we've got to teach suffering. And it's not fun, and we think it runs people off, and maybe it does. Maybe it's going to run the people off that aren't really true followers of Christ. That's what it seemed to do whenever Christ had all these followers, and he wouldn't do what they they wanted and spoke in ways that were just contradictory to the way they thought. Um, They wanted those blessings, the provisions from heaven to come down, and the man had to come down from heaven and feed them forever. And he turns around and says, no, eat my flesh and drink my blood. What? That doesn't make any sense, you know? I mean... The, the the suffering that you have to go through for uh, me to eat your flesh and to drink your blood that just that doesn't make any sense it doesn't compute but it never computed and it doesn't compute with us that that suffering is off i must saying it always is because oftentimes there's this self induced stuff that we have, but even then we have to understand the struggle and the battle that we're going through to overcome that is a blessing of God. The blessing is not the sin itself. The blessing is in, the, in the, that you're battling it, that you know about it, that you're trying to change it. And so in just about every way you can see suffering as our primary blessing that we have while we're here, here on the earth. And we've got to change our thinking about it. You've got to change your thinking about it because I know you're trying to, trying to put this at your, yourself in this circumstance because I know you're suffering. A lot of you are suffering quite a bit. But understand that. I mean, that is, it is the presence of God. It is the love of God. It is his movements and he is in control. And you can be assured that you are named like Lazarus. God helps. You are the one God is helping, not necessarily that other one who has it all together and his life is perfect and family is perfect and you just cry because you can't be like him or her that is that is not the way to think biblically theology